Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I am doing as well as one could possibly expect. That's fair. But uh, we wanted to make sure that we mentioned this at the top of, of the episode as well for, for folks that are listening to us. We are in the middle of a uh, Patreon pledge drive. Uh, we've fallen pretty low. Uh, and honestly, we for those that don't know, we are completely funded by Patreon supporters. Without them, without people actually donating to the Patreon, we wouldn't be able to make our content. We wouldn't be able to have the site. I'm going to be able to do shows like this. So right now we're asking that if you are, enjoy our content and want to see us continue to grow, thrive, uh, and basically stick around, uh, consider donating to the Patreon. And it's over at patreon.com slash blizzardwalk. Uh, we have different tiers of support, including ones that allow you to actually get us to like write backgrounds for your characters. Which, you know, that's a cool thing. You want to, you want us to write for your D&D character or something like that? Go for it. We'll, we'll do it. You, we, we, we love doing stuff like that. Um, if you are already donating to us, we appreciate it. We know that we've had several supporters since day one. Um, if you can uh, maybe up your your support a little bit, it would also be appreciated. We just want to make sure we can keep the lights on. Anything you want to add to that, Matt? Help us. We good. We are good. And honestly, we've been trying to develop and, and cover more things uh, mm-hmm. aside from just Blizzard stuff. And the only way we can do that is with continued support. So if you please, like- I want my Cyberpunk 2077 watch. Help me. <laughs> and if you've enjoyed stuff like Tavern Watch, where we've been covering more tabletop RPG stuff, uh, you want us to see us continue to expand that, uh, as well as the various articles on the site that are not just about Blizzard related games. Uh, feel free to. You know, let us know. Become a patron. Let us know exactly what you want. Uh, and as a way of continuing to say thank you, we are answering questions that were provided to us by our patrons, our patron supporters. Um, many of them did come from there. We we're able to find quite a few. So I do want to thank you for that. Uh, and if you do have questions for the podcast, there are several different ways that you can get them to us. You can go ahead and send them in at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, just make sure you specify which podcast it's for, as we do now have three of them. You can go ahead and give them to us on our Discord channels. We have one set aside for Patreon supporters, which is Patreon Q and podcast questions. And we do have one set aside just for its its label Q questions, but we do also look there for podcast questions. Uh, you can go ahead and send it to us there and, again, specify for what show it's for. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into some questions that you, our lovely listeners, have sent us. Hail to thee who art tasked to watch the lore. So I've been playing since Wrath, and it's only just occurred to me. I have no idea who the pilgrims were that inspired the name of the Festival Pilgrims Bounty. I can see loads of guides for achievements and cooks, etc. But is there any lore about who the pilgrims were and what the purpose of their pilgrimage was, is to, etc.? If there isn't any official lore, what would be your headcanon? I realize it's an in-world Thanksgiving, but as I'm British and have no concept of such, I wonder about the Azerothian story. And this is from our friend Razorbug. No, there is no lore. (laughs) However, there could very easily be lore because humans, the entire race of humans that dwells primarily in the Eastern Kingdoms, were in fact pilgrims. They came south from what, you know, the Northrend that was before the the whole blowing up of the continent thing. They came south from there to where they are now on a pilgrimage alongside Tyr, Arcadis, and Ironia. Mm-hmm. This tip, this pilgrimage established the ultimately the, the various human kingdoms, including Lordaeron and Arathor. The the peoples of those areas were descended from these pilgrims. So it would be that simple 
to make there be lore for 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 uh, Pilgrim's Bounty. It would literally take the time I just did. That boom, done. You could do it that fast. And, they have not done so. And honestly, there is a a entire section of like almost every race's lore where they are not in the cradle of their birth, right? Like they they they've all wandered from somewhere. Like, well, Torin absolutely. You know, Torin were incredibly nomadic for a very long time. They've been all over the place. Absolutely, orcs uh, are from an entirely different planet. Yeah, um, night elves. I mean, you'd kind of argue it. I mean, because so much of the poor got blown up. So yep. yeah, and the, you know, blood elves. Clearly, they could. You know, the blood elves and high elves sailed across the ocean to get to where they were. Um, dwarves. Uh, no, dwarves can't call that. Dwarves woke up in a complex and then moved out. And we're like, okay, we live. We live here now. Uh, same for the gnomes. So those those two don't really have a pilgrimage thing. Well, technically, the gnomes have been displaced. So yeah, now they have. But they didn't pilgrimize anywhere. Mecha gnomes kind of could say that. But. The dark spear. The dark spear were were shunted from their homes. They were actually shunted from their homes twice. Yep. Because they used to live in in the you know Stranglethorn in around the Gurubashi. The Gurubashi basically kicked them out, so they had to go live on an island. And then from that island, they then got kicked out again because they had to leave due to the crazy Naga Sea Witch. So they went all the way over to Kalimdor. So they they actually had a couple pilgrimages. You could argue. Yeah, there's there's I mean there the the point is there's a case that they could make it in game justifiable lore wise, which I think would be fun. Especially but if you wanted to connect it to like the the humans, because it seems very much a, a, a human thing, yeah, yeah. If you want to connect it to that, they've got a pilgrimage story, so yeah, you can do it real easy. And for all I know, maybe that is the intent. Uh, just because they haven't released anything talking about it, doesn't mean that that wasn't the intent. They had a place named Tear's Hand for years before they actually explained what Tear was up. You know, so it's possible they are currently that is what they're going with. I don't know, but. As of right now, there's nothing in game that explains what Pilgrim's Bounty is about, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I don't think they've really done anything in game with it, but like it would be cool if they did. Um, it's, it's honestly one of the things that I've always, I've always wanted, as far as like game lore goes in general, which is the holidays that are in game. Generally speaking, just t- are there to tend to give an in game event to a real world holiday equivalent. Um, but I would always wondered what it would be like if you could take those and tie them into something more like into the world. Like we have the entire uh, winter festival or winter winter veils feast. I think it is. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's essentially analog for Christmas and Hanukkah. Um, but give it, give it some. I like that you asked the question and I listened to you ask the question. And then I sat here waiting for, I don't know who to answer it. <laughs> Like, who do I think is going to answer this question? That's like Liz isn't on the show, Matt. I don't know what's happening right now. I like, the best part was, are you talking to me? Like, no, Matt, he's talking to Jim. Yes, he's talking to you. You're the only person here. Like, oh, okay. It's been it's been a very long week, folks. But I have always wondered, like, why why not try to give it a little more tie into in game lore, in game events, especially now that they've been flushing out the world, especially in recent years with the release of Chronicle, the Grimoire. And now everything else that they've been doing between the, the actual various book releases, and we've been learning more about like the culture of a lot of these these uh, races. Um, why not give it some more? I don't want to say fluff, but tie it in, tie some of those those holiday events in. I think it'd be worth it. It would be great to have Tyr suddenly just start showing up and going, "Merry Pilgrim's Bounty! Here's a sword." What? Why? Why are you doing this? Because your ancestors fled from the the, the old gods and their horrible Cthulhu minions, like that one. You know, I don't know. Tyr, Tyr, you can't give children swords. Sure, I can. They're they're educational. 
I was like, in Azeroth, I think probably kids have them. There's probably like, I know Anduin was like shooting people in the eyes when he was like 12. So, yeah. So, yeah, I I don't know if they'll ever do it. And there really currently isn't any in-game lore for pretty much any of the holidays that are currently there. Tyr uh, starts preferring to go to visit the orcs because they're like thrilled when he starts handing out weapons. It just oh. matches their orc sensibilities. Yeah. He, well, although they get mad when he hands out swords, so he has to switch to axes. Like, no one wants to use this. Why not? It's a perfectly effective killing tool. I, I orc. What if we, what if we make it bigger? Well, I guess okay. <laughs> but I think we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, this you one com- this one comes from uh, Ishtel. Uh, question for Lorewatch: What's up with the Light Mother referenced in the Magar recruitment scenario? Is that the Zera we saw Illidan delete restored from the Light Realm? Is it an alternate Zera, or is it something else entirely? Our current knowledge is that the Twisting Nether is an anchor point across all realities, so if demons are able to traverse the Twisting Nether between our two realities, what is to stop another entity such as the Prime Naru, an army of the light, from doing the same thing? So when we see the light bound using light-forged warframes, is that pure coincidence? Or could there be a deeper connection? Uh, example, Zera starting fresh with an exarch who doesn't have Velen as a voice of reason. And, and if there is, what happens if when the our army of light comes face to face with the second edition? Well, we don't know the answer to your question. It would seem possible because keep in mind, up until about 30 years ago, around the time of Warcraft 1, the two timelines are very similar. They're not the same. Like, for example, uh, Grom's wife dies before she has a child in the uh, Warlords of Draenor timeline. And obviously, um, Nurzul's wife doesn't die, which she had by the time we see, you know, before Warcraft 1, in the Lord of the Clans type stuff, we see that, you know, in, in the timeline, original timeline, our timeline, we could call it, Nurzul's wife had already died. And like one of the reasons that he is he's tricked into serving the, the Legion is because they come to him in the form of his dead wife. Obviously, she's still alive when we go to, Dran- to the alternate Draenor. So there are differences, but it's still pretty much the same. The history is close. Uh, I believe, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who, helped, who we helped make the uh, Sands of Time thing in the first place. Uh, the one that, Grom- that uh, Garrosh kills. Oh, um, yeah, I can't remember, but I know who you're talking yeah. about, yeah. <clears throat> He even says it's like blades of grass. Not every blade of grass is identical, but most of them are the same. You know, and it's it's similar to that. So it's quite possible that it's Zero, or it's possible that in this world somebody other than Zero was the prime Naru, and that Light Mother is that Naru because for whatever reason they're the ones that that ended up taking over the Army of Light. We don't know. We know that it was close enough that there was a Vel in there. It was close enough that the basic story of the Draenei was the same. So it could be, it could be Zara. It might be somebody else. Uh, we don't know if Zara, it counts like the way demons did. Uh, we know there's a question in this email that we will pro- probably get to later that might also have relevance in this situation. Um, so I can't speak, I can't really speak much more to that. I mean, we, we don't really know. We just, we just do not know. Uh, who it is or how they got there. If it's an alternate Zera, if it's the same Zera who, you know, would have technically been killed by Illidan before we go to recruit the Maghar. Um, I, I don't, we don't know. Yeah. And that's one of the things, like, I think it's left up, left up for speculation purposely because it is after dealing with Zera and dealing with everything that happened in Legion and, and all of the stuff with the, the, the army of the light. And sort of like us just coming to terms with it and then kind of getting this this unexpected uh, evolution, 
right? So when you go to do the, the Magar Orc uh, recruitment scenario, it's not something you expect to see. You don't expect to go to back to Draenor, uh, our alternate universe Draenor, and expect it to be completely ravaged again, but this time by the light, which is a foreign concept to almost anything we've experienced at this point. We know that the light can be strict. We saw that it could try to be willful and or imposing its will onto others with Zara, which was a very shocking moment for a lot of people. Um, and then you have the this scenario where you go and you see this army of, of light fanatics are recruiting or killing everything on the planet. It's it's a shocking moment, and I think it's meant to shock. And when they refer also, to Also, I'm gonna be go upfront, man. We do not see that they are killing everyone on the planet. Fair enough. We we are we, we are told they are. they are. Yeah, we're told that by orcs, who, you know, are the guys who literally spent, you know, the, previously 30 years ago are the ones who decided they were going to conquer the whole planet and kill everybody. Sure. I'm willing to say that until such time as we actually see the, this, you know, light bound group doing these things, I am willing to take it with a grain of salt. I'm telling but you, I'm pretty sure in the scenario it. we did when, we, when the, the army shows up and they're like, you will, you will join or you will be made to heal. Yeah, because at this point, as they themselves say, you've done this to this planet. They flat out blame the orcs for what's happening. Oh no, no, but that's the, that, yeah, we talked about this before, though. That's the impetus yeah. for this movement, right? It's it's the impetus it's not for this wrong. specific moment. It's not we wrong. don't know. We don't know what's happening. Is what I'm getting at. Sure, and that it's the thing about the Zero situation, and it's the thing about the Lightbound. It could be exactly as as you're saying. It could be exactly that. We don't know. Hell, it could, be a, dread, enough, it could be a Dreadlord in disguise as the Light yeah. Mother. Could be, or maybe it's, you know, maybe um, Urel is just crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't know. Uh, I would be really mad if they did that. But I would also be very mad if they did that. The problem is, is that, you know, until such time as we get, like, a lot of times with WoW, stuff gets introduced, and then we don't see the payoff for it forever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes so long to get the payoff that you almost don't want it anymore. Like, some, like I, I kind of feel like the end of Battle for Azeroth with the whole thing with uh, Nizoth felt sort of, like, pushed in. Like, oh, okay, this could have been an entire expansion instead of half of one. So I don't know. I I, I would like to see more with the Maghar. I'd like to see more with the, the light bound. I absolutely would. And to answer the second part of your, your series of questions here, uh, Ishtel, we talked about this a little bit before with what we thought would happen if that particular army uh, came through. We did a, an entire episode on what would happen if it was an expansion of fighting the light. Uh, and... There, there. We we covered a, a bit about it, but it, I think it would be a very fascinating thing if that version of those light forces, who very clearly, I mean, if they're Draenei and they're they're living in in you know AU Draenor, they have access to a lot of the same crystal technology, if not the same crystal technology that our Draenei use to transverse multi-dimensional space. So it's only a matter of time before they traverse multidimensional space. It's just, to me, logically speaking, it's going to happen. Uh, like, how would they be received? What would happen? And I think it would come, we talked about this a little bit before, but just to kind of go back over it a little bit, I think they would be received well at first because, hey, here are warriors of the light, you know, and I think people in Azeroth would have much the same reaction that that Matt has, which is, okay, the Makar orcs or the, and the champion are saying, we saw them do some some weird things, and the champion's like, well, yeah, but I mean, I can't see that. say that I saw everything that they told me happened, you know? So you have one group of orcs that are now settled on Azeroth's word against 
an entire expansion where you worked with these people, right? An entire expansion where both factions were, you know, cognizant of the URL, cognizant of her forces. You literally, one of the first things you do, no matter what faction you are, when you when you started uh, Warlords of Draenor, is you broke out of essentially Gorian prison and that whole arena scenario and who was there with you in the mines. Urel was there. So now, who do you believe? And I think it comes with a grain of salt, where like you, like Matt said, where they they're like, yeah, well, we remember fighting with them. We fought demons with them. We we purged a whole bunch of this stuff with them. They're they're on the good side, right? They'd be accepted warmly, and then eventually, whoever we'd find out who the Light Mother is, the Light Mother would make a reference or, or make an appearance, uh, and it would turn out to be somebody that we didn't expect it to be, or possibly not even a good force. Uh, or maybe it would. Maybe it would be another version of Anaru. Maybe it would be Zara. Maybe it would be something else. And then we start to realize, oh, oh, maybe things aren't as good as we we want them to. Be. They become a little too strict. They become a little too uh, controversial about like their purity or or whatever the case is. And then it kind of snowballs from there. So I don't know that our armies would come face to face in a headbutt scenario immediately. And I think that's part of the the interesting thing with this particular faction is it's not a perceived threat immediately. And there's enough shadow of a doubt to keep it from being a perceived threat immediately. Because even at the end of the day, if you, the champion, are saying, yeah, I saw I saw them attack these orcs, you're still one voice. When we were on Draenor, Thrall was there. He, he saw a bunch of the stuff. He, he saw Ural. Jaina was there. All these people, like they, there were forces that were there that interacted with them. Why would they assume that what we're saying is absolutely 100% you know, gospel on it, even if you are the champion. So. I mean, that implies that they would, for that matter, reach out to the Horde at all, which they might not. Which they might not, too, right. You, you speculate if you want to go into just a little bit, uh, that I'm they would appear to the Alliance, right? You show up and you immediately like reach out to Velen. You know, you have your L come down and be like, Velen, and, you know, maybe he wouldn't know anything about, like, he doesn't, he didn't go over there, so he would, maybe there's no URL in our timeline and he never met her, but he would probably respond favorably to a bright-eyed young Draenei who's obviously powerful in the light and who said she was coming to help save the world or something. And it's carrying yeah. the same sigil yeah. that he is, right? Like she, yeah. He gave, yeah. She's got the Velen sigil on her forehead. You know, she's, you know, she got it at the end of silver of a uh, shadow moon. So yeah, it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of different ways it could go depending entirely on how you wanted to do it. Um, if you want to like portray them as just zealots and, you know, th- like, you know, fanatics, that's certainly, that is one way you can do it. You can absolutely go that way. Um, or you could try and play around with the idea of, you know, yeah, that you know, yeah, we were killing the Maghar, but look at what the Maghar did, you know. There's a lot of ways around it. There's a lot of ways you could play with it. Uh, but we don't like the problem is is that like with a lot of stuff, this is all speculation based on a few things. We have we have only that scenario to tell us what happened on that Draenor, uh, and as far as I know, that the they might not even be out there to come here because they might be dead. Because they certainly seem to be implying that that world got destroyed. Or was in the process so, of it. Yeah, so we don't know if we'll ever see them again. Uh, I would like it because I, I miss Yorel and I would like to see her again. I would be really disappointed if Yorel had been turned into a cartoon villain or a dupe. Uh, but it would be kind of interesting if Yorel, you know, the same kind-hearted, you know, noble, good person is doing these things. Not because, you know, I'm a cackling evil now, but, but you know, and not because... You know, the ends justify the means, but because they sincerely believe, yes, this stuff is harsh, but 
it'll, it's much better than what will happen if I don't do it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this now and yeah, I regret it, but the, uh, the alternative is death and I'm not willing to accept that. So there's a lot of ways it could go. Yep. All right. But we're going to move on to our next one. And this one comes from Zed. Uh, question for Lorewatch. Hello, given some of the Shadowlands themes of duality of the soul, Uther, Sylvanas, Zolval, etc., do you think that Charlemagne's party trick of splitting in half could be used to help resolve the situation with Anduin by effectively giving an avenue to remove the trap, the domination magic, one half of the sword? Um, before I let the loop mat loose on this one, Charlemagne is the combination of two swords, not necessarily the two swords are the split form of Chalamet and mm-hmm. they were formed together when Varian was fused back together. Um, they were individual swords before that point, but Matt Shalator and Elamain. Yep. But what do you think, Matt? I mean, could that happen? Sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, will it happen? I don't know. But yeah, it's what's interesting about this is that Joe just kind of alluded to it when Chalamet is the combi- the combined form of two blades Two legendary weapons. Uh, yeah, two legendary weapons that were created by the Night Elves. Think think of this as similar to like they were high blades essentially. Mm-hmm. Much like you have, you know, Queldalar and 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 Quelsalar. Quelsalar, which I should have remembered because I got the thing back in the day. Jeez, Matt. But you know, they were effectively that kind of weapon. Um, not specifically named Quell. Um, so but that's like Quelsarar and Queldalar are a kind of generic names for these weapons. Quelsarar and Queldalar basically mean high blade in their respective languages. Uh, whereas Shalator and Elamain, I think they were a step above that. It's like you, there are more than one Quelsarar, more than one Queldalar. There were multiples of these things at one point in time. But Shalamain or not, not Shalamain, Shalator or Elamain were unique. Mm hmm. Much like Flame Strike, uh, Quell, you know, what was it Fellow Malorn is unique. Uh, so in a way, they're they're artifacts versus legendaries. Uh, Quell Delara and Quell Sarar are legendaries. They're very important, very powerful, but not as unique in game terms. Weapons like Ashkandi and uh, Shadowmorn or Frostmorn would be that kind of weapon. They're they're a specific named one of a kind item. Uh, it, it gets muddy because you know game rules and so forth, but when, when when Varian was split by Anixia, she did it because she wanted all of the, the tr- character traits that, in, that Varian possessed that she didn't want around to die. She was literally going to kill that half of him. His compassion, his nobility, the part that made him more human and a good king. Well, that's she didn't know not that. No, she wanted his his ability to fight back against her. Mm. That's the stuff she was going for. His anger over the death of his family. You know his wife, his his parents, uh, his his feeling of inability to get revenge, his rage, the stuff that made him Lagash when he was found and became a gladiator. That that aspect of him, the 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 trained from from a very young age warrior, the one who lost everything, the the one who was you know angry at the injustice of everything. That variant she wanted dead because she wanted the 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 good kind you know, compassionate and more importantly, charismatic and good diplomacy version of Varian. She wanted that guy around as long as she knew she could keep him under her thumb. And so that's why she split him. But unfortunately for her, they didn't split as cleanly as you would want. Um, I've actually read the comics and liked them at the time. I didn't realize, you know, where they were going to end up going, but I actually liked the Varian story in the comics because the, the ruthless 
Gladiator Lagash was still good at organizing people and getting them to listen to him. He organized his gladiator team and got them to escape the, 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 the gladiator rings together. They, they followed him halfway across the world. He was still a charismatic leader. And the supposedly you know passionless, uh, easily manipulated version of Arian still was pretty good with a sword and still stood up to fight for his son. Mm-hmm. So she didn't split them as well as she thought she had. But when they were recombined, after Jaina had given each of them one of these two legendary swords that she had, when they were recombined, their two swords became one sword. So in a way, it wouldn't really, it, it wouldn't work the same way because Anduin wasn't two people split into, you know, split from an original one, then recombined back. And so it would be like, it would be like doing the Anixia thing to him. If you, if you could split the swords and split the person at the same time, when we see the swords get split since, when we see both Varian and Sarafang do it, neither of them is long for the world at that point. Yep. And I don't think that's anything to do with the swords. I just think it's just a coincidence. But if Anduin does it, and I don't know if Anduin does do it at any point, but if he does do it, I don't think it will split him. We do know that he was but, he was able to bring them back together, like yeah, because that was one of the things. He had one half of the sword, and he had his agents go find the other half after his father died, and he was able to pull them back together into Shalom. So we know that he has the capability of doing that at least. But we've never seen him split. So yeah, fair enough. What, one of the things that I I want to point out here though too is there's an X factor that we honestly don't know enough about. We have some guesses and we have some speculation and we'll, we'll cover a little bit about, um, but it's Chalamet has been technically reformed. It has been made into a Mornblade. It is now named Kingsmore. It has been altered in some capacity by the Smiths of the jailer. There is a soul fused into it, which we think, or at least I think, uh, could potentially be the soul of, uh, one wonderful, uh, was a naive king of men, uh, not Varian. I'm talking about Arthas, who we haven't seen since he was thrown into the Maw. We don't know what happened to him. It seems pretty likely that that would be a really good way to use his soul to make a Mornblade, uh, and then to use it to give to his vessel, uh, that he wanted originally the, the Lich King to be, which failed. So use it again to help drive the vessel. Why not? But we don't know what that does to the sword. We don't know if the sword can still split. We don't know if it is still uh, Shalator and Elamain combined or what happened when that process was undergone. We don't know what the process is of making a Mornblade. The Primus seems to know and hasn't told us anything about it, which is just rude, let's be honest. Um, but that's an X factor. Can the swords even still be split? Is it even still the same sword? I posit that it's not, not until we, we either find a way to rip whatever souls inside of it out or find a way to reverse the Mornblade process. The other side of the coin is, let's say that it could split. What happens? Technically, there are two souls resident within between the body and the sword now. Does one give given form when it splits? Do we see an, uh, a perfectly uh, obedient Arthas soul? given form when the swords are split because it is likely the soul that is used to empower the, the uh, King's Morn blade. We don't know. So I don't think that if it, the swords can split that will, it will fix Anduin. It might just cause more problems. 
we also, again, just to reiterate, don't know if it can even still be split. Anything else, Matt? No, I don't think so. All right. Our next question comes from Swagsy for Lorewatch. I was thinking about the different timelines, Shadowlands, and the rope analogy given to explain it all. The more I think about the rope and how anima works, it makes a lot of sense. Is it possible that as alternate timeline people die, their anima simply goes back to the core timeline person? We see in Shadowlands that the afterlife isn't too concerned with people retaining their original memories anyways, Bastion. Uh, so this could fit with the rope analogy given to us. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? No, you talk first. My show, you talk first. Okay, I don't have any opinion. Go. <laughs> um... Possibly. So one of the one of the the, the things about the, the rope analogy was, was used really to describe the creation of alternate timelines and alternate pocket dimensions um, and not necessarily pocket dimensions, so to speak, but splits from the main timeline that start an alternate timeline that eventually either fray off into nothingness or get absorbed back into the main timeline. This was before anima was ever discussed. This is before. Well, the I mean, hold on. Hold Go on. ahead. Uh, now you've, you see, this is why I wanted you to talk first. Uh, I think he's talking about Stevie user's specific explanation for how you could have like, for instance, two Goldons, yeah, but not see two Goldons in the Shadowlands or how you, you know, there's Draka doing Draka stuff, but she doesn't remember and doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Draka we met in Warlords of Draenor. How come there's not two Drakas? Because I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah. That's what they're talking and about. I, and that theory was floated, was specifically floated by Steve Denuser to talk about, Shadowlands, and he did mention anima in it, and that the anima was really? the same. Yeah, absolutely. It was huh. the the anima is the same. It's the same being. Well, please continue then. That I'm just clarifying the point because you just said it wasn't mentioned for that, and it was. I I don't. There's been earlier t- talks about the braid theory in relation to the way timeways work, but that's not specifically what it was being used to talk about here. I don't think. Um, the, the problem that I have with it, the problem I've always had with it, is. It's not defined. Like, what do you mean by that? You know, uh, I don't, is it, does it mean that there's only like one soul between these multiple different variations, even if they do completely different things? Like if there's a time way where Arthas is like a good and noble king fighting to defend his people and never goes death knight and never does, you know, does that guy still doom to the maw? Yes. Yes. That, that guy is still doomed to the maw. If one version of you does something awful, but that version happens to be in the main timeline, the rest of you doesn't matter how good you are. You know what I mean? Like that's, that feels like it is the, the message that's being sent here. So that's something I've always wanted clarification on, but I don't think that my thoughts here are actually useful to this question. Um, I don't, a lot of these questions are really speculative, which is great. We like speculation, but it's very hard to like give you an answer other than that could be the case. You know what I mean? Uh, And in the case of this one, it's really hard for me because I, I honestly don't, I've never really, bought the idea that you know there's just this one draka in the afterlife even though i've spoken to two different drakas now like i talked to a different draka when i was leveling horde through warlords of draenor you know what i mean like she she she, we have conversations with her she gives you quests how can she be this draka if this draka doesn't know me do you see where i'm going with this I, I, and I, I get I what the, and I get what this person's saying that you know, hey, the, you know, you lose your memories in the in the Shadowlands anyway, so it would make sense that you wouldn't remember all the different alternate timelines. So maybe that's that. Maybe that's accurate. Maybe that's valid. I don't know. Well, no, they're saying that you you get to keep your memories. So why don't they remember that if they ever think it's pulled? That's but they're not, not. It's not what he's saying. I mean, if you look at the question that he's asking, the way he phrases it uh, specifically, he says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna read this." 
do 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 I have to find it. We see yeah, in the I was thinking of the different the, We see that in the Shadowlands that the afterlife isn't too concerned with people retaining their original memories anyways, mm-hmm. Bastion. So this could fit with the rope analogy given to us. So in other words, since they, they don't we, they don't we, have those memories because no one cares whether or not you have those memories anyway. We we took it two different ways. It was same yeah. which are not necessarily a bad but yeah. Okay. But the, the way that this is phrased, we see in the Shadowlands that the afterlife isn't too concerned with people retaining their own their original memories. So if it doesn't matter, like you know, you like the Draka we could be talking to might not actually have the memories of the Draka from our timeline. But because it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't care sh- as long as they got her soul. They wouldn't care if all of her memories lined up. Right, but the question, I guess, the, the the idea of it though, and I'm just thinking about this from the context of the stories and the context of the the covenant stuff. The memories of the people, like even in Bastion, where their memories are stripped, they're saved. They're in the mirrors. They're 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 cataloged away. Right. Uh, the in Revendreth, the sin stones exist with the compiled like horribleness that a person did like it's their their greatest tragedy that they ever yeah even even revendreth when they have their their like you know various stuff purged from them they don't forget anything right right i'm not saying that i'm just saying i'm just saying though but from that side of the coin then technically only bastion was removing memories so if you at least from what we were shown yeah, but his question isn't necessarily about whether or not memories are removed. His question is, do they actually care if someone retains their original memories? Like, it's, It doesn't seem, we, we see in Shadowlands that the afterlife isn't too concerned with people retaining their original memories. Uh-huh. I don't know that we can argue one way or the other on that point. It doesn't. Can I argue that they are concerned with people retaining their original memories? No, I don't think that in the Shadowlands they worry so much as is this soul. But then the the, the, yeah, the yeah. going back to the first part of the question though, which is what I'm trying to get at here and trying to to work towards, is then what happens to those those memories when everything gets pulled back into one animal source? If everything comes there back to the original, there is no nothing in this question asks what happens to those memories. Memory isn't the issue here. Because memory is not important to the Shadowlands. I think he's dead on on that. I don't think that, I think literally the the afterlife isn't too concerned with people retaining their original memories. That is never, none of the covenants cares about your original memories. Sure. Because they're not, souls to the, af, to the afterlife here, souls to the Shadowlands are not individuals. They're not people. They're material. They're fuel. They're the raw components is, of something else. Is that and still it, the case each, though with the ones that are reborn in the service of the covenants though? Like in Arden, well, they make it in, Go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm still going here. Look at what happens in Bastion. That's the first one, but we've already covered. We know what happens in Bastion. They, they, they for a long time pared away the soul, but look at Ardenweald. You, your identity is a product of everything you've been through in your life and you get to keep your memory, but you don't get to keep your self-conception. Unless you're you become, Yeah, unless you're Ysera. You become something else. You get a new form. Uh, You go to Revendreth and you get to keep your memories, but you don't get to keep your your opinion of your own worth. You don't get to, to judge what you did for yourself. Your sins are what they're concerned about. That's what the people in Revendreth focus on. The people in Ardenweald focus on your value to the to the cycle of rebirth. In a very real way, you become a component. In the cycle of rebirth, you become part of it. You tend it. You and it's not about you. It's about that cycle of rebirth. In Bastion, it's not about you. It's about service. It's about ferrying souls. Mm-hmm. 
And if you go to um, Meldraxis, you know, Draka keeps Draka, but she's put in the House of Eyes and told to be a spy. She was never a spy in her life. Who she was is not of concern to them. What she has displayed the potential for is. What can she do for Maldraxxus? I think that the big story of Shadowlands behind the surface, underneath the covers here, has been all about the afterlife and the beings that run it, learning that identity and personal experience and existence is worth something besides its material component, besides its means of production nature. It's not just about you know, how the anima is channeled back into the cycle of rebirth. It's not just about where souls end up. It's about who they are. But that's not the way the Shadowlands has been treating them up to this point. So the rope thing about how how can you have two different lives feed into this one braid, you can have two different lives feed into that braid very easily when you don't care about either of them. And it's, in a way, it does make sense that the Draka we meet she could be either Draka. She could it's, be both Drakas because sure. they don't stop to care. And so it's all about, we, we do see that she remembers Thrall. She does. She knows who and he is. She, she remembers, and not just that, she remembers things that he did as a child. Mm-hmm. The Draka we met would not have those memories because she would have only had a daughter. So here's, I guess, here's the disconnect for me with Shadowlands in general when it comes to memory, right? And I, and I, and this is where the, this is a weird point of discussion, and this is where I kind of wanted to go with this, is they make a big deal that there, there's this esoteric concept of self, right? That's sort of like the, like you're pointing out, that's, that's sort of like the thing for Shadowlands. But memory is still there. And the question is, what is memory? And it's... We know that they give it up in Bastion, that they give away the the, the self-evaluation in Revendreth, but what is memory to a person's being then? What is memory to what that is memory, soul? Also, what is memory to someone who will exist unchanged for an, a timeless eon? Right. Well, it, yeah, but, what is what is memory? And look at this. There's another way to put it. So memory is clearly very important to Zoval because mm-hmm. Zoval is nothing but but rage over what has happened to them yep being angry over something that happened to you is a function of memory you can't have revenge if you don't remember what you're mad about right but so here's here's the part that that i always uh, this is the part with the 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 braid theory and everything else that i've always had a hard time reconciling in just in from aspect of an individual right so we like we'll use the gul'dan where we're told they're both gul'dan they're both actually gul'dan but when one died, the other didn't gain any memories. The other didn't have any knowledge of anything that happened from the other one. So they exist individualistically, most, even, even though they're tied to the same point. So at that point, with, say, both of, when both of them die and they both go to the Shadowlands or more accurately probably consumed by Fel, but we'll just we'll say they wind up in the Shadowlands. Is it a point where one of them claims dominance overrating the other ones, or do both memories exist? And that's the part well, see, that I've never been able to reconcile, right? We've had that discussion before, and we've, we have never reconciled it. And, and here, my whole argument in this is, is quite simply that it doesn't matter for the purposes of the Shadowlands, right? The sure, Shadowlands doesn't yeah, care. Yeah. So what if the reason that this never comes up is because when the Shadowlands is recombining those essences into a being... They literally just pick one. In the, in and, we, and but the interesting thing too with the that thing is, is the, you know, because they're recombining the anima together, right? Yeah. 
uh, and we already know with timelines, if you have a time wave that splits off and weird stuff that's not even remotely close happens in that time way, but then later on it's reabsorbed, it still follows the, the dominant channel. It doesn't follow that that alternate time way. We know that. We saw that in the uh, in the War of the Ancients books. Mm-hmm. History didn't change, even though history changed. Like the, the the alliance was still the way the alliance was, but now there's this whole story of Ronan and and Calic, not Caligos. I keep wanting to say Caligos, but I mean Coronastras, Coriolstras, Crassus. Wow, man, I hate he has so many names. But they now suddenly they're they're written onto the past. Mm-hmm. The past has been changed slightly. The present has not. Does that happen with the memories? Like, do some of Goldon's memories change to be closer to the alternate yeah, Goldon? And, and and maybe it's because of the function of, of of something I'm I'm reading right now in in regular or real world that is dealing with a lot of these concepts that I've been thinking about this a lot more recently. In general, is how that works because it's almost like it's slight nudges right like i'm almost i'm almost wondering if if that's what happens like you're saying or here's another thing to think about uh technically speaking uh, the goldon that we're more familiar with died earlier than the goldon that came around in in, in legion the one that from the world of the world but the one from the world of the world was about the same age yeah so he might have actually been older by the time he died after the 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 first one does he technically count as the prime Goldon because he died later? That's what that's what I was thinking. Like that's why I'm, that's why like that. What? How does that work? And, and, and the thing is, pulled, is that and he was pulled to the prime plane. Now, here's another one for you. We just got done talking about how Thrall uh, doesn't have an, an analog from that world. There's mm-hmm. no Thrall in that world. There's a sister who is not a sister because she doesn't have a brother and he didn't have a sister, but they have the same parents. They're fun- yeah. Function yeah. functionally in, in, in the way that we reconcile it internally weird sister. But is it in fact, if Thrall died tomorrow and she kept living for another 50 years and then died, would they like, would their two spirits commingle? Would there, is their anima the same? Are they like braided together? That's it's one of the things that is always so difficult with like dealing with with probability theory <laughs> and dealing with like multiverse and, and things like that, because a lot of this stuff is I, I, all of it's being made up. Right. Like it's all. Yeah, of, is, of course. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those things where trying to have it make sense in an easily digestible way without having a long debate about well, it is very difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the debate part is because people debate things. Uh, but in terms of having it make sense. It's very easy for it to make sense if you can make the the crucial concession that I don't think many people want to make. And that concession is that it, it makes perfect sense just not in a linear order. Like the old idea of time travel, time travel works fine if you're willing to accept that people can move laterally through time. Sure. They can move in, in directions other than straightforward. We cause and effect only works in a in a causalistic universe, one where effects have to you know have to be following causes. Um, but if you work in a four dimensional, suddenly that doesn't mean doesn't isn't matter anymore. It's not important. This whole thing, where this discussion, which is, has baffled the two of us for like I mean, like how long has this expansion been out now? Uh, About a year year and a half two years almost. yeah not two years uh because it was like november or something of last yeah, I think year it's a year yeah yeah but regardless october october of last year um november 23rd 2020 okay so yeah the october would have been the pre-patch um so so basically what we're looking at here is in a three-dimensional linear sense is completely 
incomprehensible. It does not make sense. You can't have mm-hmm. these completely different lives. And yet one of them comes out. And like I said before, you have like, you know, murderer Arthas and good guy Arthas who saves kittens, but good guy Arthas is going to hell with murderer Arthas. Um, because you think those are two, the, those, those are two different people, but if they're not two different people, then one universe, if we go with the idea that one universe is the real universe and all these other timeways and so forth are just eddies, they're just ripples. They're not real. They don't have the same, prim- you know, primality. Perhaps it's the Shadowlands that causes this. Because the Shadowlands literally has an engine that can create a, um, an infinite number of existences, right? Yeah. And maybe it's because the Shadowlands pulls everybody's quote unquote anima to it. When you, they die, they go to the Shadowlands and they they become what's mined for. So it it creates this singular timeline because it won't allow one one Gul'dan to to like exist alongside the other Gul'dan. It braids them and maybe it chooses the one that is best suited to fitting what it's trying to do. Mm. I don't this is just one possible theory. But this would explain why you can have Draka who basically knows and understands the story of Thrall and doesn't seem to have had a had a girl at any point. So another another question then too is we've also seen that souls can be split. And yeah, we have. Maybe that and think about what that means in a, in a universe where souls can also be a braided rope. Yeah. So what happens then? Is, I mean, then the question then also on the table. I'm not going to say then becomes, but I think is that's also part of this conversation. Is does it just get pruned off and put somewhere? Does it get pruned off and consumed? Does it get pruned off and shoved into its own pocket? Whatever. So maybe well, clearly at least some of the time. Well, 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 it's like, pruned on, off on. and kept. Because I was going to say, like, we, hold on a second. What if, what if, like, what if, and this is just a, a wild what if, you're talking about good guy Arthas, bad guy Arthas, what if there's a good guy Arthas universe out there and a bad guy Arthas, but bad guy Arthas is the one that's useful for the Shadowland. He's the one that is the the engine that they need for whatever anima that they're using, so they decide to keep him, but instead of, you know, they, they shove good guy Arthas into its own pocket afterlife where it can't affect anything else and doesn't get braided back in because they need the angst. They need that self doubt. They need that power of that to fuel the engine. It, do we think that maybe stuff like that happens? I don't know because that implies that, you know, angst is just inherently more powerful than being good. And I think Mr. Rogers disproves that. I would agree, but I'm just throwing it out there. But in terms of like what happens with split souls, like I said, we see that the, the jailer has a whole collection of souls that he, you know, got that he pulled out of the the maw and, and kept, or wherever he got them from. Um, are some of them fragments? You know, maybe he makes fragments all the time. Maybe he's constantly pairing off chunks of people to to study them to look at what those uh, those elements of that person and, and are look like. At the amal- look at the amalgamations in the maw. A lot of them are just yeah. chunks of souls yeah, together, together, braided together. And so the the entire nature of what a soul is and what it does in the shadowlands should be really disquieting because it's one thing to see necromancy practiced on corpses like a dead body and another dead body yeah the forsaken forsaken and death knights and stuff like that that's one thing that's, that's yeah, but horrible to, but, but it's one thing to see souls used in this way to see souls hammered flat and turned into machines because those big constructs are made out of souls. Look at, look at the soul cages. Soul cages are my yeah. favorite example of that. They're literally gigantic suits of metallic armor. They don't even have hands or legs. They're just souls strapped together and duct taped into a machine. Yeah. And every single one of those things, 
I mean, when you can do stuff like split souls up, you can do stuff like braid souls together. Souls lose the thing that we think of as being the most important thing about them, that they are your immortal essence, that they are you transcending life and death. Mm -hmm. And to these people, they're just coal or lumps of iron to be used as they see fit. That's the terrifying thing to think about here. And it, it ties back into this concept of the braided soul and the people from multiple timeways. It's possible the reason that there's only one true timeway is because the Shadowlands won't let anything else exist. Like, and it pulls from all timeways. So if you die in a timeway, eventually it's going to jam you into the other souls, no matter how big or powerful they are. And you'll everything that makes you an individual with your own life choices and decisions will be lost to the greater consensus. Maybe if like there's five billion Drakas and four billion of them all basically had the same life, the other billion get snuffed out. You don't get to hear about their lives because they, they don't fit the pattern. That's that is in fact one possibility. We don't we don't know, but it is worth thinking about in in the regards of this question. And it's why I think memory is the is it, it, I'm trying what I was trying to say the whole time. What I've been trying to say from the beginning is that memory is the casualty of this approach because memory is actually you. You know, memory is how you know you are who you are. Yeah, you're the the like Illidan said, you're the sum of like I am my scars, right? Yeah, you're you the, are you're the, the sum, sum total. You're the sum total. Yep. And if they don't put like if you don't become like if Draka doesn't get to have the memories of every Draka, but only gets to have the memories of the Draka that fits the consensus that that in one way or another serves the Shadowlands purposes, then Draka is diminished. We're all diminished. Mm-hmm. And look, thinking that they, what they do. To, the, the, the Revendreth from the beginning, the first time I heard about Revendreth, I thought to myself, wait a minute, how is it that they can have the old faithfuls who can constantly provide anima? They don't, they never run out. They don't run out as long as they're not willing to accept that they are, that they should be ashamed, that they should feel, you know, shame at their, their sins, that they should relinquish those sins. As long as they clutch who they are, their anima is limitless. How is that? Why is that? Why is it that Garrosh could be like an infinite power supply? Or Kalthos. Or Kalthos, or any of them. As long as they won't let go. And, and because and they're holding on. And, yeah, go ahead. I'm I was going to say, just look at that too. Like, you know, we're, we, our concept of that, our conceptualization of that is is not accurate, right? Because, like, now you have Kalthos running around helping us against the jailer. So here's Kalthos, who is one of these old faithfuls that we're we're told will never can't will never repent for his sins, won't ever take uh, ownership of what he does, and yet here he is, complete in his essence, standing there acknowledging what he did, saying, "I will do it all again," and is just as powerful and just as as larger than life as you could expect. But he's not a bomb. He's not blowing up. He's not an agent of destruction and and he is kind of on a leash a little bit, but like one of my favorite things in the, in the, the recent like patches was his, his conversation with lady Vosh when you're going around and doing the things with them and he's flat out, you know, just saying, you know, I am who I am and that's all it's ever going to be. And it's, is it just because he's an immutable soul that he was an, an one that would give forever? He wouldn't accept a change because he, again, like Illidan, is the sum of his scars accepts what he did would do it again 
is that why Garrosh was the same thing? Because Garrosh was very much in that same camp. I did what I did because it was what I knew needed to be done for what was given to me. Whether or not we view it as right, he did. And so he's another immutable soul. Is that what becomes an old faithful? Is it just a soul that won't change, will not accept a paring down? Maybe. Maybe it's like a diamond. You know, putting that soul under enough pressure, enough heat, you know, it becomes a diamond and then you can you 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 can facet it very carefully, but you can't really you know, it's it's much harder than a chunk of coal. Yeah, and cutting it yeah, you can't cut the diamond as easily. Yeah, I yeah. get you. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But it is interesting to think about in this conversation about that whole concept of braiding. Like, what does that braiding mean? What forms does it take? What does it have to do with memory or the other intangible aspects of self? Because self is the thing that we're really coming around on here. Look at Sylvanas' story. Mm -hmm. She got a piece of herself given back. Now she is more herself. We saw that with uh, Uther. Uther had a piece of himself torn away, and now it's back. The whole domination magic seems to be about destruction of the self, dominating Sub subjugation. The self. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's all going to play into the the post Shadowlands experience. What Shadowlands will end about, like the the end of this expansion. What does it mean? Is this idea of this is an afterlife, not? Just we're not just here to be fuel for this cosmic engine of death. Where you know this is our afterlife, and it needs to be about us. Um, in a way, it's a really interesting anti-capitalist manifesto. Although that could just be current times affecting my worldview. Entirely um, possible, or current yeah. times, or we'll say the last you know myriad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, I think we can call it there. Uh, again, if you do have questions for this podcast or the other one uh, or any of our, po our podcasts, be sure to send them in to us, uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com, uh, and you can go ahead and submit them on our Discord channel. Matt, can you go ahead and take us out today? Sure thing. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions of patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast, site, and community is able to thrive and grow. Uh, Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast, or the queue. Uh, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, all of us here at Blizzard Watch, of course, us, uh, you know, stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard and demanding change and a better tomorrow for the workers. Um, thank you guys for, so much for being here. Joe and I are both like raw-throated right now, so you know it's been a lot of talking this weekend. We're really glad you're here with us, though. Uh, thank you for being at Lore Watch, uh, and come on back next week. We'll do another one. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>